0: I watched Enola Holmes this afternoon and Henry Cavill scares the shit out of me.
1: I don't think anyone can relate to that.
0: His clothes look like they're hanging on by a thread on his frame, that's why.
1: Hello and welcome to Hidden Among Us.
0: Woohoo! Hello! Hi, guys. What episode is this? Seventeen! Seventeen!
1: <laughs> is there a song that involves Seventeen? No,
2: or... <laughs> oh, just a Troy Bolton movie.
1: A Zac Efron movie.
0: Oh, 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 Troy
1: Bolton? Zac Efron. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> was that a movie, um, Seventeen again? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. I can't I'm pretty
0: sure that. they're making a K-Nama version of it, by the way. It's a
1: serious.
2: show. I'm feeling that you were just hot <laughs>
0: co- really i feel mm. <laughs> um, okay not here to judge your taste okay okay. okay
1: yes
0: it's iphone like is on some like travel show by the way like there's this documentary thing with him on it and like my mom w- looked at it and she was like hey this guy doesn't sing anymore <laughs> i was like i don't know
1: he didn't even sing in high school musical yeah but
0: yeah, it's real yeah boys. All a lie. Was a bit shocked. And, like and he, the last.
1: He, he regrets being on high school musical.
0: Why? Why kick started his career though?
1: Yeah, I don't know. He I am pretty sure he said he regretted it.
0: O- okay. He <laughs> was also the person who leaked Vanessa Hudgens' nudes, if I was if I'm not wrong. Wait, what? Yeah, they were dating and then I mean, yeah, um... she sent it to him, but
1: I'm not sure if she, he's the one who leaked it though.
0: Okay. I know. But this is, like, my memory from, like, many, many years ago when it happened. Like, I think one of the those trashy yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: tabloid sites or whatever, like, one of them said that um he was the one who leaked it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know the validity of that statement, but their relationship ended after that whole fiasco, so... A bit of a shocker. <laughs> I don't know. I mean... A lot of the Disney Channel stars, uh, they don't really end up that great after leaving Disney. So I don't know. Who is even like
1: still relevant? Yeah. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens still is lah. Oh, she's
0: super problematic though. Why? She was like super pissed off. Okay, so I think the most recent thing she did was like something to do with COVID and like just super yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. inconvenienced by COVID. Oh, but she's a very beyond, privileged... Yeah, and beyond that, I also noted... Like, I always found this problematic with her, but she always used, like, um native clothing as, like, accessories. She does it a lot.
1: Mm. And,
0: like, photos and stuff like that. And I'm just like...
1: Yeah, I guess because, I don't know, she sees it as her style. Like, that boho... Yeah, it's
0: her aesthetic. Cheek. Yeah. So, I And don't people know, know her just, for that. Yeah, but I think wise I don't think she's been doing that great. Like, the last thing I saw her in was that, like, terrible Christmas movie on Netflix.
1: I don't know what else I watched her in. Wait,
0: yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't think she's, she was in much notable things. Like, many notable things like, outside of High School Musical. Um,
2: yeah, I don't think she really was. Well. I just said she's really pretty.
0: Yeah, I just think she's very really pretty. Yeah, so that but but that's about it. Yeah,
2: so that mm. but that, that he gives her an edge though. Like
0: Yeah.
2: In doing
0: what she wants. The most successful Disney star to come out would be Zendaya. Zendaya. Mm. Yeah, mm. like she won an Emmy for mm. her performance in Euphoria, like the youngest person to win that award. Plus she's the youngest African American person as well to win it. There's a lot of- I wanted to watch- mm-hmm, Yeah, go on, yeah, go on. Yeah, you Go on. No, you- You No, no, no. I wasn't gonna- <laughs> uh, Before you say something, I was gonna
2: say something else. So, yeah.
0: I- um. I was gonna say- I think she- What was I gonna say? No, I can't remember what. <laughs> I wanted to watch Euphoria. Yeah, that's I- what, I- what I was gonna oh. say. I wanted to watch Euphoria for the longest time, but, like, I never got around to watching it. Yeah. Mm. It just looks very aesthetic and very pretty- So I was like, "Mm, maybe I should give it a shot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Plus, her, um, her character is a recovering drug addict, and like, it's a very difficult performance to like pull off, Mm. and she did pretty well Mm -hmm. with it. Yeah, I,
2: I I was gonna bring in a whole other thing just now, which is like how everybody's comparing Zendaya to Bella Thorne.
0: I mm, I think it's because they both start and Shake It Up. But I feel like Bella Thorne is just notorious. She's <laughs> super notorious. Oh my she's god. She's super was...
1: notorious. Do you
2: hear about the OnlyFans thing?
0: Oh my gosh. I don't get it. Like, she's a millionaire on her own. Then, why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. How much
2: it's... did she make
0: on OnlyFans? 2 million, right? Or Whoa. something like that. I don't get it. Like, Oh well, but like, I mean, you do you. I think Mm. the last movie I saw her or heard, I didn't watch the movie, the last thing I heard she was in was this thing called Midnight Sun. Mm. Not to be confused with Stephanie Meyer's new Twilight novel. I did not hear of this before. Okay, okay, I'm going to tell you the plot summary, okay? So brace yourself. So the plot summary is Bella Thorne Plays this character who is allergic to the sun. (laughs) Yeah, She's allergic to the sun. And like, I think there's an actual illness like this. Like an actual one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Midnight Sun is like a romance. So obviously she's going to fall in love with some dude. And then like, she gets exposed to the sun and whatever. (laughs) I know what happens at the end. So I don't know if I should say it because like, you know, I'm going to say it because I don't think anyone's going to watch this movie. Yeah. Anyone else watching Midnight Sun, I'm so sorry. Why would you waste time? So basically, the movie ends with her saying like, I don't care about my health anymore. I want to ride in this little boat with the man of my dreams. <laughs> with the guy <laughs> she fell in love with. And basically, oh. that's what happens. She rides in this like tiniest boat in the arms of like her lover. And then the sun comes up and she dies. <laughs> it's so Wow, stupid.
2: I... Yeah, that is it's quite dark. Help.
0: It, it's 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 really a what the hell. All for a boy. I'm just I don't know. It's <laughs> it's quite funny because I, I watched this YouTube video where this this person went to watch every Fault in Our Stars rip off. So basically it's <laughs> it's the storyline where like two sick people people like fall in love or whatever. And it was mm. all just like bad. This was so five feet apart with um Coles Cole Sprouse. Dylan Sprouse? I don't know. One of the Sprouse. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, was yeah, Sprouse. yeah, yeah. Cool, yeah, cool Sprouse. Was... I think it's cool. That one is also trash. Like, everything. Mm. every I... Don't romanticize illness. It's just. Mm. It's not a good look. Yeah. It's been so long since I watched. like, actively watch movies. Same. Sad. I only watched Enola Holmes this afternoon because, like, I was curious about it because it stars Millie Bobby Brown and like Henry Cavill, who scares the shit out of me, and then um Sam Claflin, and it's a pretty interesting cast. Helena bon- Bonham Carter is also in it, yeah. So I watched it also because like it was super hyped on like Tumblr, oh. and I was curious, so I went to watch it. It's it's mm. a pretty really, it's okay it's, it's a it's a fun time it's a fun film. It's... I don't
1: know Crown.
0: What's but that? I don't wanna watch from
1: season one. The the the, 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 oh, the British oh, the, Royal
0: the, the, the Crown, okay, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But I don't wanna watch from season one. I'm just interested in Olivia Coleman, right? I mean
0: Yeah.
1: I'm just interested in her. Because She's so cute.
0: The first few seasons were really good. Yeah, I know.
1: It's just that, yeah. I'm just interested in
0: Olivia. Oh, just Olivia Coleman, man. I love her. She has losses it's okay, Shine. We'll fill you in one day. Olivia
1: Colman is like a very wholesome actress. She's,
0: yeah, yeah, she's super wholesome. She's if you want to watch
1: too. a nice fun, like not not fun, but a nice British detective crime show, she acted mm. in Broadchurch.
0: Broadchurch is so good, but just watch season one. <laughs> just watch season one. You can get a bit adventurous in season two, but don't bother with season three. Season 1 is so good. It is everything you will look for in a crime Mm. show. But to everyone out there that's like listening to us and might want to watch Broadchurch, it's a bit slow. Like it's a slow burn, but it's totally worth it in the end. Mm. Also, it stars David Tennant and he is chef's kiss. So good. Mm. Yeah, the chemistry together is really good. Yeah, and it's not like romantic between the both of them. It's like... no. Very, very nicely platonic, and it's like they work well together as like business partners. Like these two detectives working on this case together. It's just, it's just very brilliantly done, and the story is also like so good. It's so good. I think I rewatched it a while back. It's really, really good. Speaking of crime, maybe we should <laughs> to our crime story. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. I'll-
2: Tr- Chris's transitions are always so awkward.
0: Yeah, I I don't know how to transition things. I speaking it. of crime
1: story. Yeah. Oh my god, Chris crime is so bad Shen. transitioning. I'm I'm oh a very god. badly written ending as well. Uh Shen, <laughs> wanna talk? Yes, Shen, talk. Speaking, speaking of, of talking, Grey, Shen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay yeah um well okay I'll, I'll start okay. my crime story today um, wait wait, wait. Before, before you start I just want to preface this because we don't know our, what stories we are going to like share today right but mm-hmm. Shannon and I are both sharing unsolved stories <laughs> and I'm low-key yeah. scared that we like unintentionally might have picked the same thing
2: no I don't because think we will
0: Okay, okay, we will see. We'll see. We'll see. Mine, mine doesn't look like
2: no mine horror. Doesn't horror at
0: all. I mean, okay, but Maybe Chris isn't mind. really
2: horror. Okay, but that's true. No. Chris isn't really horror. Okay, yeah, but I like my to won't be stories to that are mind. more
0: like the uncanny valley. Okay,
2: okay, okay, fair tell, tell okay. Us stories. Okay. okay, so. I love Singapore a bit too much. So, obviously I had to do another Singapore Oh, okay, thank
0: god. It's a Singaporean story. Oh, okay. Why? It's because it's
2: your Singaporean? Oh, no, no. Mine's not Singaporean. I
0: was like... Okay, okay. okay. Yes, okay. Yes, okay. Yes, yeah, yes, okay.
2: Because yes. I picked this story because I was actually looking for unsolved stories because I find unsolved stories so fun to talk about. And, um, <laughs> and this one is not number one. Not really talked about. Um... And number two, it's unsolved. And a lot of things in Singapore are solved. Like, because mm-hmm. we pride ourselves on such a, like, strong, like, civil system. Well, okay, so I, w- I actually came across this story, like, weeks ago when I was studying for... I mean, I was looking for my other stories. And it kind of intrigued me because, yeah, like, you hardly find unsolved stories in Singapore. So, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this story. um, But it's the McDonald's Boys. Have you guys heard of this story?
0: McDonald's Boys? No, um, I see no. boys at McDonald's.
2: Yeah, okay. Sure, so, the, <laughs> so, the thing about this story is, is it, it really is not talked about, but it's such a big thing, okay? Like, assumingly, quite a big thing. Yeah, so basically, um, in, on May 14, 1986, two primary school students from Owen Primary School went missing. Like, whoa, mm. they're 26 boys. It's it's quite a big thing to me, though. Because it's like two kids going missing. And till today, uh, little insider info, they, they aren't found. So, so, yeah. So, these two boys Okay, insider info. <laughs> okay, so these two boys are To Hong Huat and K. Chin An. Um, and they actually failed to show up for their 12.55pm class in primary school, and, like primary six, and they were reported missing ever since. So, the reason why it's called the McDonald's Boys case, and it's also one of the most well-known, well-known, because I didn't even hear of it before, <laughs> but like, well-known kidnapping cases in Singapore, um, but to be honest, virtually unknown outside of the country. So, um, the I mean. reason why... The case the case actually received widespread media coverage, apparently, due to major crimes being extremely rare in Singapore. So this was a mm-hmm. a missing case. Yeah. So I guess rather big. Mm-hmm. So it was named the McDonald's Boys case because McDonald's had offered a hefty reward of hundred thousand for any information regarding their whereabouts. Well, hundred K is a lot. It's a lot. In nineteen eighty six is a lot. I-, I tried to find out like why McDonalds did that, but I don't know, man. Maybe CSR yeah, was a because- thing. In 1986, I'm
0: wondering the same thing because it's usually the parents or the families that put out like a reward of 100k, right? So why is McDonald's doing
2: it? Yeah, um, the parents really couldn't. So on that particular year, both side parents were only able to raise one thousand dollars. But in that similar, like immediately they were only able to raise one thousand dollars, which is a very big sum in 1986, considering Mm. then a full meal was fifty cents. Um, so. Um, I think with donations and everything they managed to raise 20k by the end of the year so this happened uh, in May so in, in, in December at the end of the year they, they saved up 20k from public donations and here we have McDonald's throwing in 100k <laughs> yeah I
0: think we were like so frightened frightened about their publicity they were like oh I think we have 100k to spare no it, it was no because
2: McDonald's has nothing to do with this the boys went at McDonald's
0: Oh, then they were like... Oh!
1: Interesting.
0: Then why? I think they're guilty. Altruism (laughs) exists. I'm just saying. There's no reason for McDonald's to give a sum of money unless they're guilty and they're trying to direct the attention away. Honestly, (laughs) I thought about
2: it too. Because I tried reading why, but everywhere else just says that it's called a McDonald's boys case because they offer 100k, but nobody talks about why they will offer 100k. Like offering hundred so,
0: king. it's called McDonald's boys case, but it has nothing to do with McDonald's.
1: No, it's only called that because yeah, I thought they I thought they were last seen at McDonald's. That's the puzzling thing.
0: Okay, they will
2: only McDonald's because of McDonald's offering that money. So publicity, <laughs>
0: I don't know. Oh yeah, maybe it's a publicity. You know what, McDonald's, I'm watching you, but also sponsors, if you want. To. <laughs> Give us 100k. Lifelong happy meal. Yes. Give me lifelong chicken nuggets. Not the spicy ones, just the regular chicken nuggets. Uh, I want the normal one with curry sauce. Yes. I actually converted. Like, I no longer like curry sauce. I like the sweet and sour sauce. Oh my. Okay. Chris, exit this now. (laughs) Bye, Chris. (laughs) Good. Okay. You're okay. one of those
2: people. Are you one of those people that will willingly eat pizza with barbecue sauce? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Okay.
0: Eating. Okay. But I willingly eat day. pineapples on pizza.
2: Okay, I love pineapples on pizza too. It's okay, but if you order barbecue pizza, <laughs> we are not friends. <laughs> 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 okay. Okay. We're backtracking too much. Let's get back okay. on the timeline. Okay. So I'll just share you guys the timeline. So on the morning of fourteen May nineteen eighty six. Hong Huat actually requested to go to school on his own that day as he was meeting a friend, presumably Chin An, as they were close friends. So so mm. so the two boys. Um so Hong Huat's mom actually noted that this was really unlike her son and it was a very unusual thing because uh, Hong Huat was actually a very timid boy and actually preferred to be with his mother in public. And this is a twelve year old boys, are uh, twelve year old. So mm-hmm. I, I give it the reason of like doubt, like him not really wanting to Take that initiative to want to go to school himself. So that must be a big thing for his mom because it's one of those few days. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. So also considering 1988.
2: Yeah. And it was around 12:30 pm that day, Chin'an An uh, left school to visit some shops, which is actually super common. My dad has told me so many stories of him leaving school to see so- shops. Yeah. <laughs> so according to Chinan's classmate, um according to Chinan's classmate, he had actually offered to take care of Chin An's school bag while he was away. So, in, in school. So, this was in school. Like, the setting is currently in school. Like, Chin An is in school. He met his friend around 12.30pm. And his friend said he would take care of Chin An's bag while Chin An leaves school to visit some shops. So, okay. his classmate then left the school bag at the school tuck shop bench, assuming that Chinan would come back to collect it. Because, like, they didn't turn up. Like, Chinan didn't come back. So, he left it at the school tuck shop bench. Yes. So... Both Chinan and Hongkwan actually failed to show up for their 12.55pm class and they were never seen again. So this is where the timeline actually gets blurry as their books and bags were found under a tree but no one knew where they had gone. They actually seemingly disappeared in broad daylight. So it's really puzzling because that bag which was once on the school tuck shop had moved to under a tree. So but nobody knows where it went and CCTVs were like practically obsolete in 1986. So... Um, it's either the boys moved it to under a tree or someone else moved it. Yeah, but the boys weren't there to move it, right? But nobody would have known. As in, they just yeah, never turned true. up for their 1255 class and the that's last true. that a person saw Chin An, mm. um, he was going out to buy stuff and next time he came back the bag was not there but he didn't turn up for class either and the next time they found a the bag it was under a tree.
0: Mm. So, so, Essentially, there's a possibility that between twelve fifty five when they left right,
2: twelve fifty five when they were supposed to be in class.
0: Okay, but they weren't there. So there's a possibility that in that time they could have come back, shifted the bags, and then left again.
2: Yes, correct. There's that possibility as well. Mm. There's so many
0: possibilities, and that's the, that's the. God, it's so weird. It's like, why would so you do weird. that? Yes, it is
2: super duper weird. Yeah. So my biggest theory is that. Because Chinan's friend was actually waiting for Chinan to come back because he the last time he saw Chinan like Chinan's friend saw him was around twelve thirty p.m. So mm-hmm. then um, he was gonna wait for his friend obviously to go to class together at twelve fifty five. But obviously, a primary school kid, you don't mm. wanna be late, right? So you would leave your mm. class first. So my personal theory is that he probably came back and took his bag bef- after the friend already left. Which was twelve fifty five, and then the bag was moved during the period from twelve fifty five to I- I'm guessing one hour less, so one fifty five.
0: Yeah, it's still weird. It's still
2: weird. It's just super yeah. weird. Yeah. So, so after that, the police were actually contacted that evening, and they actually searched the estate surrounding the boys' school for days following this the disappearance, and there were. Reportedly, thousands of missing posters distributed island-wide asking for anyone who had information on the whereabouts of the boys. But there was really no one who had seen them. Yeah. So, mm. on, it's so weird because, like, literally, they just disappeared in the thin air. And, and till today, like, nobody can track where they went. And, yeah. yeah. So, so this happened on the 14th May, uh. And on 27 August 1986, there was actually a reported sighting of the two missing boys on Pulau Ubin, um, an island which is <laughs> like north uh, northeast of mainland Singapore, easily accessible by boat. So close to 100 officers were actually dispatched to Pulau Ubin, splitting into 24 sections and smaller teams to scour the offshore island. However, they turned out to nothing.
0: Yeah, but why would they be on Pulau... Why would they be at Pulau Ubin? I
2: mean, considering there were two six missing boys, um...
0: Somebody must have taken them there. Yeah. There's no reason for them in, to... we wouldn't... To get on the
2: boat. We wouldn't know if it's even true, because it was a reported sighting, and when they went there, they couldn't find their True.
0: I mean, yeah, there's, there's that also. But, like, in, in general... Like, for example, if... They really were sighted there. Like, for example, let's give the benefit of the doubt. They were there, right? It doesn't make sense for them to actually be at that location anyway. Mm. Because, like, why... Especially considering this at 12 years old like why would you randomly take a boat all the way to Pula Ubin
2: yeah and you w- I don't know about now but in the past I think you had to bring I don't know about Hass, but I know now you might need to bring your passport I'm not too sure Um, but no, even if so bring- no but even if so they were 12 years old boys so I'm very sure nobody would ferry them over yeah
0: precisely and it they're probably in their school uniform
2: but then again 1996
0: so so but I'm pretty sure it's like the same rule where like if you see students in like like supposed school hours and they're at like the arcade mm. or something right mm. people will complain it's it's just a thing yeah
1: that's true but then it's yeah. like it's been a few months since they were missing though I don't think they'll be still in the school uniform yeah hmm that's Oof. that's pretty true
0: it's,
2: it's a long month there from new to August
0: I, can you tell that I'm shit at detective work? So,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. I am absolutely terrible
2: yeah okay, yeah but but on that note, um obviously Chinese parents being more spiritual, they definitely engage mediums, and um hmm. they actually engaged hundreds of mediums, but they weren't able to track the sun like the suns, oh. yeah, like obviously they would have gone that 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 route to try to figure out, but nobody was powerful enough to figure out where they went. But, on 3rd September 1986, Chinan's father actually received a nasty phone call. So, it was actually never revealed to the public what was exchanged over the telephone, but it was distressing enough to trigger a stroke in the father and he was admitted to the hospital.
0: Oh my god. God.
2: Mm -hmm. Honghuat's mother actually also received a similar phone call that same night. According, According to her, the caller was a man who spoke in Hokkien, and he said that I should not hope for my son's return. That was what the the, the, caller, said, the caller said to Hong Hwa's mom.
0: So, well, that narrows it down. <laughs> so,
2: I guess that's a bit scary, because, you know, in 1986, I mean, phone calls are very prevalent. So, it could be, like, someone actually warning, or, like, telling the mom, or someone just pranking, and we would never know as yeah. well. Yeah, so... Till today, it is unsolved, but I'm just gonna delve into the theories or the speculations made by the public. Um, because mm. after that, that whole hoo ha, um, mm-hmm. I mean, this case has resurfaced multiple years, um, like in multiple pit stops, like in throughout the years. Like, I think the most recent was in 2015 where it was brought up again because the boys are still not found, yeah. so... So, I'm just going to go mm. straight into the theories. So, the first theory um, is actually, I mean, the most basic, is that the boys ran away from home. However, they actually had a super normal home life and both families claimed that it was actually unlikely for the boys to run away. And according to their teachers, the boys were generally well-behaved and it did not miss classes. So, the running away option, I mm. guess, was straight away taken out. But obviously, it would be the first option, right? Like, two boys just yeah. fully disciplined in air, yeah. So
0: Especially at that age as well, because yeah. 12 is when they start to get a bit more adventurous and rebellious.
2: Yes. Um, the second theory is actually the most disturbing. Um, it's also the most widely um, accepted. So some people actually have claimed to see the boys begging on the streets of Bangkok, Thailand um, with their oh. limbs chopped off.
0: What the smuggle traffic?
2: Yeah, so this, I guess this would be in line with the operation of illegal human trafficking syndicates at that particular time, and, and that means that the boys could have been kidnapped and forced to beg. Um, but however, this claim was just never verified. The Singapore police also took their search to Malaysia, Indonesia and Thailand, but to no avail. But there were people who did, and multiple people who did, report seeing these boys. Um, oh, yeah, it is quite scary. But it really, to me also, is the most possible cause. Um, and the third one is the most um, media based kind of theory, which is um, that Hong Hwatt's, um estranged father actually had adopted the boys due to his failed marriage with Hong Huat's mother and brought them to JB in Malaysia. So is JB actually...
0: estranged
2: isn't it estranged? It's estranged. I've been saying estranged my entire
1: life. It's
0: strange. <laughs> I it's so
1: it strange. Really.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um. Oh my gosh, and you're adorable.
2: Okay, I'm just going to say it again, okay? Okay, <laughs> so, uh, The Last series is actually one of the most media sensationalized um, movie. Uh, I mean, it's one of the most media <laughs> sensationalized <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Shane's
0: brain, brain has, like, stopped working. <laughs> <laughs> Error for not found. <laughs>
2: okay, so, the last theory was actually the most media sensationalised theory. And it's that mm-hmm. actually Hongwat's estranged father had actually abducted the boys due to his failed marriage with Hongwat's mother and brought them to JB in Malaysia. So JB just sits, ac- mm-hmm. like, for our listeners, mm-hmm. JB just sits across the border of Singapore and is very easily accessible
0: by car. And, mm. um, yeah. swimming. So if you're very, very into that also. Uh, oh, well,
2: I mean, someone has done that before, so. <laughs>
0: yeah, they have. Um,
2: Masalamat, shout out to you. Masalamat. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Wow, I haven't heard the name in ages, but man, I remember being like a student and reading the news, I'm like, oh, ho,
1: this guy. <laughs> I mean, the posters were like put up in school for me.
0: Yeah, and the different variations of what he might look like,
1: like different ways, like different um, like beards. Yes. Okay. So that's the
2: most common theory. Um, but it's just a bit plus not really possible to me because they, why would Chinan be adapted they with did, Hong Hua? Uh, yeah. You
0: see, investigate him though.
2: They they did, but to no conclusive kind of.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Why is the media mm. then less on to the theory though?
2: Yeah, okay, so the reason why it was sensationalized by the media be- is because um, while one of the most sensational, of course, is that their limbs were chopped off and they were smuggled to Bangkok, um, mm-hmm. there was actually speculation that they ended up in Malaysia and it was reported, <laughs> not very reliable news source, but considering the kind of case that we we're dealing with, it was actually reported by Stop. And um <laughs> there were actually rumors that they were alive and living as hooligans in JV. Um and it, and it was actually spreading online a lot. Um and if alive, Toh Honghuat and uh Ki Chenan would have been um 36 years old when this this news allegedly came um online. So um yeah, so this was actually the most possible because a news um a news source actually reported it, which is Sin Min Daily News, which actually alleges that the boys were actually most likely to be adopted by Toh's father after marriage with Toh's mum's Phil, which is Hongkwak's mum, like Phil. Mm-hmm. So, um, the the boys actually left the school to buy sweets at a nearby shop and never returned. And they believe mm-hmm. that um, the boys might have been implicated um, because they were together at the same time. Um, and then they were obviously abducted by the father and brought to Johor, where they grew up in a run-down area. Um, and sources that the Sin Min Daily News spoke to said that you know they believe that they became hooligans and continue to live in that particular rundown area of JB today. Yeah, and this was actually the most possible, also because um it's very consistent with the fact that the mom, one of the boys' moms, actually attempted to go to um. Malaysia to search for her son four years after he went missing, perhaps following a tip off. Oh, oh man. correct. Yeah. So, so that oh, that's man. the most that it's it's the most um, I guess spot Plausible. on theory in a sense, considering that the mum actually really went to Malaysia to find her son. Um, but yeah, yeah th- this was wow. The yeah, so. Yeah, as of today, the case actually remains unsolved and the boys actually would be 47 years old this year. Mm.
0: Oh wow, that's still relatively young.
2: Yeah, so just thoughts. What what do you think happened to the boys?
0: I feel like the smuggling theory is like, very plausible. But at the same time, like, the estranged father also. That one sounds very, Mm. very likely. Like in the sense where I'm imagining it as he could have like planned to take his son, but then like the friend was there as well. So he was like, shit shit shit, take them both.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. But then again, like there's also a whole possibility that they never left the country, you know. They just living quietly somewhere here.
1: Mm. Or, yeah, I mean they could be not alive or something.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I think the reason why the one of them living in Singapore was immediately Im- eliminated because Singapore is so small and the police were actively searching for a full year and honestly, we're living in Singapore, it's not very difficult and back then, like, people watched the news every day So and it was broadcasted almost every day so the face naturally would have been familiarised in a lot of residents.
0: I still feel like they could have still lived in a hidden way in Singapore
1: it's quite difficult though because your documents and everything is like hard to change
0: yeah but that's the thing like they could be how do I say they could have been like hidden away where like they were literally maybe locked in a house or like an abandoned building there there are many how do I explain this but they're like nooks and crannies that could have been missed no matter how thoroughly thoroughly you do and like also like possibly like Maybe the father wasn't like working alone. Let's just say. Yeah. I I you mean know? that's a possible thing.
2: Yeah. It's just. Yeah. It's just it's really scary. I guess. Um. They they just disappear in the thin air and nobody has yeah. any conclusive evidence like zero. Like there's there's no conclusive evidence to point where which direction they could have gone to and all that we are left with is theories and all that the parents are left with is theories and, um. Mm. Yeah, it's just something I would have never expected in Singapore. And don't you guys think it's quite a big case? Like, two boys missing and never found? Yeah. But we have ne- I've never heard of it. And I, I mean, both of you never have heard of it either. So it's like... No,
0: no. Maybe it's because... Yeah, that's the thing. I, I did... Maybe it wasn't like... Mm-hmm. I feel like... Uh, cases that are very prominent usually are very one-sensationalised and two, they're, like, gruesome. Or, yeah, like, yeah, very yeah. un. So, cases like this where, like, two boys get kidnapped doesn't, like, stand out as much as, like, for example, the topayo ritual killings. Mm. That one is very strange. So, that one is something that will, like, live on in, like, everyone's peripheral for many years because it's just so weird, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, like, this case is intriguing because of, like... I mean, the tiny involvement by McDonald's, like, why? Yes.
2: (laughs) Oh my god, yeah. I really tried searching for why and honestly, your theory that McDonald's might have been in this, okay, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. McDonald's might sue me. But, you know. (laughs) But, you know, it's just really, wow, 100k in 1986, that's like, bloody high pay, you know? That's like, and it wasn't to find the boys, eh? it was information regarding the boys, like, Crucial information. So, I I really don't understand like this whole case. And to me, I mean, I guess I understand why my parents always scare me with the whole idea of if you misbehave or you walk away with a stranger, somebody will kidnap <laughs> you and you will end up in Thailand. Um, but yeah, and I, I didn't think it was so real. Like, can you just imagine nineteen eighty six, and two boys gone missing? It could have been you or me or whatever.
1: I mean, now it's kind of not, it's kind of hard to, like... Okay, yeah, map. I guess now the it's difficult. Of, the amount of CCTV cameras that Singapore yeah. has.
2: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they have some face-tracking recognition shit, so...
1: Yeah, like, literally, like, you can't really escape, because the CCTV can follow, like, every. It picks up, like, how you escape. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I guess in And. And the, like, the punishment for kidnapping is quite severe. Yeah. <laughs> no
2: eight, one wants eight, to try. Eight. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the thing. I'm pretty sure kidnappings in the 1980s were also probably very strict because you, they got to protect the rich, middle income to upper income kind of that class. So, I'm pretty sure it was strict as well. So, it was mm-hmm. kidnapping and trafficking. It definitely was not. The job of one person. It was definitely a job of a syndicate, which is why I yep. I really believe in the theory of them going to Bangkok. And yeah, I guess also because I've been to Bangkok in recent years, and this still happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess this happened. I think I didn't really see any child beggars on the street on my most recent trip to Bangkok, which was um end twenty nineteen. Um, I think that's also because I didn't really go uh into the more neighborhood areas, and I was always in the shopping districts. Mm.
1: Um, mm.
2: but when I went with my mom in twenty fifteen, and my family as well, actually, as we went there for family trip. Um, and my parents are actually regular. They used to be regulars. Um, to Bangkok from like, like since the nineteen nineties all the way until today like they go there every year to for like to go to the temple and also because they did business there when they first started doing business so they're very familiar with the the whole like environment so in 2015 when i went there were still child beggars along the streets with no 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 limbs no hands some Uh, and they they just stay by the the roadside um outside 7-eleven yeah so it was a very prominent thing and I guess that at that time, uh, I still remember this because I went during the June holidays of like my MI, my first year in MI and
0: mm-hmm. I was just
2: so shocked. Like, whoa, like how could something like that exist? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. and so prominently considering the child that I very, very vividly remember was outside 7-Eleven. And yeah. my mom was just telling me that do not put money in there. If you really want to help, just give them food. Because, um, My mum did say that she knows people working, I mean, to help like children out of these organizations and syndicates and by giving them money it really is to make them make the syndicates feel like this tactic still works and they will still earn money through having these children.
0: Yeah, and it's not just that, like the money doesn't go to the children, it goes back to the Exactly. Like the syndicate. Exactly.
2: And the worst thing is that you don't know how much worse they might make the child just to gain more empathy or sympathy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my mom instead just said like to buy them like like child stuff because like this child was like younger than, like she was in primary school. I guess around the age like seven or eight. Yeah. And so my mom just bought the 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 girl a lollipop, and then like, we just left. Like, no harm. Yeah. yeah. But the very scary thing my mom was saying is that um, the child looks like she's alone, but somewhere in this very close proximity, someone's actually watching her. Yes. Yeah, yes, I and I was like, "Holy shit, let's get out of here!" I don't want to.
0: No, I remember um several years ago when I went to India. Like, it's super terrifying because, um, when you're stuck in traffic, right? Uh, sometimes you have these like beggars that will come and they will knock on your window screen, and it's like from what I remember, it's usually like a woman with an in an infant, and she'll come and they'll be like please give me money. I've got no money to buy food for my child. And like, Mm. at that time for me, it was like, holy shit, like, there's this poor woman here who's clearly needing like, money for her kid. But, and I was very confused when all the adults around me refused to give money or whatever. And then, later, I came to realize that, you know, these people are part of like a larger syndicate. Mm. And like, the money doesn't even go to them. It goes to their like, bosses
2: you know what chris i just went to yeah. delhi last year in may doing right think may mm-hmm. and this occurrences still happen yeah so it is also still the woman and infant narrative if not it's the young girl narrative so yep. i met the the woman and child one and that one was really a shocker for me because we were on a freaking highway and obviously yep. there's a jam because we're talking about delhi traffic and um, <laughs>
0: there's yeah, there's no like um, what was those things called? I can't remember. Oh. didn't pay attention when I was trying to study <laughs> driving. It's those little like partitions, those lines,
2: you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. So I was just so shocked because <laughs> there were people walking in the middle of the highway, and this woman actually knocked on my Uber. Like, uh, we were in an Uber on the way f- for a meeting, and like, this woman just knocked on the door on the highway. I was just like, oh wow, this is an eye-opener, because you will never see something this in Singapore. And Like, there yeah. are cars speeding, uh, and they, she was just knocking on the car window, like. and I was sitting, like, at the window she was knocking at, and I was very right tempted to open the window and ask, what? And my Uber driver, in the best English she could, just told me, no, like, do
0: not do that. Yeah. And, it's, it's really yeah. very, very difficult. It's yeah. super tough.
2: Yeah, and, and the worst was, I think there was another day, but I saw, like, children like a whole group of children selling pens and mm. they and they won't like freaking let the car move yeah, yeah. and it's like to me oh, like wow. i'm very sure that pen won't be expensive at all but
0: it's just, i just know the money won't go back to them is no, yeah, no. the thing like i constantly think like how much of this is actually a syndicate and how much of this is like actual people like yes. truly bank because they don't have money and it's just it's so difficult to differentiate and like the conflict is like for me the conflict was amplified because i remember when i was in india the first things i saw when we drove out of Chene, um airport was like slums like there were people setting up tents and stuff living at the side of the road and i was like Oh my god, like, this was a huge culture shock to me because, like, we live very comfortably here in Singapore. Yes. So, when I went to India and I saw these things, I was, like... And it was really, like, young Christiane was very confused because all the adults around me, like, didn't want to help them. And I was very confused. I was, like, huh, how can you not help these people? They they Mm. seem quite desperate, like, for, for money, you know. But, I don't know...
1: Sometimes oh. not just syndicates, like if you give them money, they'll give back the money will go to the parents and then the parents are using like substance. So it's gonna fund the parents mm. like alcohol and drugs. Like when I went to Cambodia, like the guide told us like if you give money to the children, the money goes back to their parents and it doesn't yes. fund anything for the child.
0: Yeah. Mm. I remember I
1: in Cambodia, I think it was Cambodia, there's like a water city thing so like mm-hmm. there's like schools on the water and stuff and then like we could mm. go visit and then it's a thing where like visitors would like buy like notebooks like stacks of notebooks for the kids there but i'm pretty sure like even if you buy and give the notebooks it will just go back to the seller again not to the kids you know Ooh.
0: yeah it's it's just it's a very heartbreaking thing lah. Yeah. A lot when I was in school.
1: Nepal, I was like followed by so many kids who was just like asking for money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's crazy. It's hard to ignore.
1: <laughs> because they're my age at the time and I was really young when I was in Nepal. Oh.
0: And like the thing is a lot of these children, women, they especially target foreigners who don't know better. Mm. Yeah, you can't really get away... They really can't get away with, like, locals there, but it's really foreigners that they go after. And that's what, like, I guess their yeah. syndicate bosses make them do. Like, um... I don't know if you all have watched the movie Slumdog Millionaire. I didn't watch, but, yeah, I kind of know that. Yeah, so that one delves quite a bit into this like, syndicates that take children and, like, force them to beg. And I remember there's this one, like, there's this one scene that is like permanently embedded into my brain, but basically they they intentionally they intentionally blind a boy, a very young boy. They blind him and then they mm. put him in like one of the subways and he has to sing in order to earn money. And what he does is like um I remember I think remember the one of the main characters like gives him money and then like he feels it. He feels it to see if it's like actual, like real money. It's just it's it's terrible. It's a terrible mm. reality. I am yeah. shocked Yeah, but um you should watch Lam Long. Eh? Mm. I mean, a lot of people have like problems with the film, but I think it's just it's pretty eye opening. Especially mm. about like these like what what do, what do you call them? Begging syndicates? I don't know. Yeah. It's it's quite horrific. Mm.
2: It really is quite horrific. Well,
0: I guess that's a story for today, I guess. Like, just
2: dabbling into the whole kidnapping kind of stories that we have in Singapore and kind of really make me realise that there are perhaps a lot of crimes that are unsolved. Yes. Quite big, but Mm -hmm. never talked about. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess...
0: And the way the media works also. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of times, like, cases go unreported because they're not, like, Appealing enough.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah,
0: for the general public to read. Yeah,
2: yeah, I felt this was super appealing to me, though. Like, I I definitely enjoy. It's a bit
0: clickbaity, isn't it? Like yeah. McDonald's.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a bit clickbaity. I'm not gonna lie, but
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, well, it, it is what it's known for. People don't call them like the two missing boys; they call it the McDonald's, just in case. Yeah. So, thank,
0: thanks for the story chat You're welcome. That's very nice. Thank
2: you. Okay, Chris, so do you want to share your story?
0: Okay, so my story is kind of a big one. I guess it's big. I don't know if you all have heard about it. It's the Dietlov Pass incident?
2: No.
0: Okay, I don't know how to pronounce it. I have it on... Hold on, let me search up the pronunciation. Let's see what it says. Dyatlov. What? Dyatlov? Dyatlov. Dyatlov? Is it Russian? Yeah, it's Russian. It's Russian. love. It,
1: it, it sounds so Russian.
0: Dutlov? love. <laughs> I'm just gonna call it. Oh L-O-V. my god. Okay. Okay. love. love. Okay. I want to see you
1: try learn Russian.
0: Dood love. Okay. Um. It's spelled D Y A T L O V. Pass. Okay. 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 So um, this is actually like one of those stories that have enthralled people for many years. So, until today, no one really knows what happened. But, like, the stuff that happened is kind of freaky. And I think, once I start telling y'all, maybe you would have th- heard about it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Not sure. Because I remember I heard about this, like, several years ago, I think. Uh-huh. Somewhere. I just remember it was, like, really freaky. So, this is a story of the Dudlov past incident. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> So, essentially, um, I think this was between January 25-ish. Um, a group of 10 Russian students, consisting of 8 men and 2 women from the Ural Polytechnic Institute, which is like a university, set off to hike the northern Ural Mountains, now known as Didlov Pass. Mm -hmm. Um... Out of this like group of ten, um, one of them, uh, his name is Yuri Yudin. He felt ill, so he left the expedition. And unfortunately, um, because he left the expedition, Yuri would be the sole survivor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, one of them, Igor Dyatlov. So this is where the name um Dyatlov Pass comes, It's from this guy called Igor Dyatlov. Um, He's a 23-year-old engineering student and was the person to plan the expedition. And basically, he was the leader of the expedition. So what Igor did was he gathered together the remaining nine people for the trip. And all these members, um, they, they were members of the university. And the thing is, like, all of them were experienced hikers. So all of them had about grade two hiker certification. And if they completed this um, expedition to this mountain, they would have gotten their grade 3 certification. Mm-hmm. So, none of them, all 10 of them were not new to this at all. Another thing to note was the fact that this route that they had planned was actually, like, approved by the City Route Commission. And I think it was, like, I think it's, like, the CCA sort of thing okay, um, that also, like, approved the route. So they weren't going to a place that was like I guess deemed like so incredibly unsafe that all ten of them were not allowed to. So clearly, like this place was like pretty okay for them to go. Mm. And the plan was to reach the far northern regions of Sverdlovsk Oblast <laughs> and the upper streams of the Losva River. <laughs> all these are Russian names I don't You're know Russian Russians so <laughs> okay, that's why I'm trying with like the low, low voice maybe that helps uh, uh. Sure. <laughs> before the expedition Igor actually said that he would send a telegram back to the sports club, so basically the CCA people mm. and he, he and basically this telegram was supposed to be sent by February 12th mm. Unfortunately, this telegram never made it.
2: So on oh. February
0: 1st, the group were met with worsening weather conditions, which caused um, decreasing visibility. And because of um the fact that they couldn't see where they were going, they actually lost their way.
2: Okay.
0: And they ended up going west instead. Eventually, they were like, oh shit, we're going the wrong way. And then decided to set up camp on the slope of the mountain. There's a forested area about 1.5 kilometers downhill where they could have found some respite from the terrible weather. But they chose not to go there. Because they didn't want to lose their progress. So essentially, um the place they were camping at, right? 1.5 kilometers down was like a forest. So if they had gone and camped there, they would have been like shielded from some of like the weather. But they decided not to go down because if after the, the 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 weather passes, they would have to go back up again, and they didn't want to lose yeah. this progress, so they decided to just like stay in this like open place. And then now we go back to the telegram. So the telegram was supposed to be sent by twelve February. Remember, mm-hmm. it never reached the club, and at that time the club didn't think much of this because um they were on this expedition and like it was very it was fairly common to have delays in all these like in communication Mm -hmm. and the group was on a mountain so like sending telegrams could have been like an issue but by February 20th the family members of the 10 hikers were like I mean the remaining 9 hikers were like okay something is going on because it's been like almost I guess almost a month-ish already from when they first set off and like no communication has been established since then. Mm-hmm. So five days later, so February 25th, um rescuers were sent. So the rescuers were made up of volunteers, volunteer students and teachers, and um, they would come across a very, very puzzling slight slight. Puzzling sight on this mountain. So the their tent was found abandoned and torn from the inside out. All of the members' stuff was still there and get this, so were their shoes. And basically looking at the scene suggested that the team had fled from the tent in a panic because they left their equipment and even things like axes and knives that they needed in order to like carry on with their hike especially if they got through like foresty areas. All those stuff they were all left behind. And essentially Mm. it looked Like they evacuated in a panic Mm -hmm. and they were in a state where they were obviously not thinking very clearly the rescuers found nine sets of footprints leading downhill to the woods so the footprints actually suggested that some of them were barefoot Mm. just wore socks or they only had a single shoe on and get this the footsteps revealed that they had been walking at a regular pace. Mm. Yep, something's not adding up here. Interesting. At the forest's edge, they found the first two bodies. Both bodies were shoeless, and they were only clad in their underwear. Okay. And they were found under a pine tree. <laughs> okay, mm. a bit odd. I'm telling you, it, it this gets just it just gets weird. Okay. Um, the tree actually had broken branches, suggesting that one of them had actually attempted to climb. Then they found three other bodies who were in poses, suggesting that they were trying to run toward the camp. Two months later, the remaining four members' bodies were found. The bodies were in a ravine 75 metres from the pine tree, so where the first two um, bodies were found. Um, three of the bodies were dressed... And there were signs that the survivors had taken the clothes of those who had died first and worn it. So, essentially, out of these four, three were wearing, right, clothes. Basically, what that meant was, uh, for example, one of them died, then the remaining would take their clothes to cover themselves up. Okay. Because it was a snowy mountain, it was very, very cold. Mm. During the investigation, it was found that three of the victims suffered fatal injuries. One had major skull damage the other two had major chest fractures. Mm. And what was strange about this was that um, apparently it would take like a huge force, like for example, a car crash, to inflict such damage upon them. And basically the way their bodies looked, right, it looked like they had been subject to like high level of pressure. So like as if they had been crushed. Mm. Mm. But there was nothing around them that could have possibly crushed them. Mm. The four bodies found at the Ravine had soft tissue damage to their heads and faces. Um, the next part is pretty gruesome, so like, just brace yourselves. One of the bodies was missing her tongue, eyes, oh, and part no. of her lips. Mm-hmm. Um, another body had only the eyeballs missing. And the final body was missing his eyebrows. Eyebrows? Yeah. <laughs> so these injuries happen after death. So like thank goodness for it. Um the thing is like when I was doing research for this, right, a lot of like articles like to focus on the fact that like the bodies are like missing eyeballs and tongues and whatever. But like turns out that it could have possibly been due to like the weather conditions mm-hmm. and like the the fact that they were in like water also like sort of could be a result of like why they lost all these body parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the inquest, it was found that six of them had died of hypothermia and three of fatal injuries. Um, mm. They had died six to eight hours after their last meal. The tent had been torn from the inside. The group members had left on their own will. And there were high levels of radiation found on one of the victims' clothing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I mentioned that six of them were confirmed to have passed hypothermia, right? So on that note, like... Something that um, can be induced by her hypothermia is this thing called paradoxical undressing. Uh, basically, what this is, is... When you're so cold, your body feels uh-huh. like it's burning. So they, like, remove their clothes. So that's, like, one of the things people thought could have happened. Yeah. Especially with the first two victims. Because they were, like, only in their underwear. And they had, like, no shoes and whatever. Mm. But the thing... The thing with this, right, is the fact that um some of them had additional clothes. So remember the 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 four? Yeah, the four that was found like slightly further down, the the, the second set of victims to be found, um, they they looked as if after one died, they took the clothes to keep themselves warm with. So the only way that could have been done is if you were in like a stable frame of mind. So if you were in a mm-hmm. state that would induce, that would be, like, you doing paradoxical undressing, right? There wouldn't be a way, that there's no way that you would have been rational enough to, like, take somebody else's clothes and wear it, just mm. keep yourself warm. Yeah. So that theory, like, sort of doesn't make sense. So, um, the investigation finally concluded that a compelling force had caused the incident. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to run through some theories as to what happened so theory 1 okay I know y'all are thinking like where's the paranormal aspect of this it comes later Okay. Okay, it comes later. okay. so theory 1 there was an avalanche so the theory is that there was an avalanche and so they ran away and this would explain why they were so poorly clothed and eventually froze to death mm-hmm. but the site had no evidence of an avalanche occurring in the first place. And if an avalanche happened, there would have been, like, a route seen past the tent. So, basically, the snow would have, like, created a route. Just none. Um, then, of course, there was the footsteps. And the footsteps clearly showed that they weren't running away. Mm. It was, like, them walking at a steady pace. Mm-hmm. So, theory two is infrasound. So okay, all this is very sciencey, so um, bear with me. So this theory states that the mountain could have produced a Carmen vortex street wow, that which is could true. produce infra infrasound. And yeah. infrasound basically can induce panic attacks in humans. And this theory is by this person called Donny Ekar, who like wrote a whole book about this
1: mm-hmm.
0: and stated that they had fled the tent and by the time they got to the woods, they would have been out of the infra sound zone. So once out of the zone, they would have been back to their senses mm-hmm. and they would have realised like, oh shit, we are so far from camp. And then they could have gotten all those injuries from stumbling around in the dark. But the thing is like, this theory doesn't explain like, one, the footsteps, two, like the injuries look like something had crushed them. So it could not they couldn't have gotten it from just like stum- stumbling around. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mm. theory three is military tests. So people speculate that the campsite fell within the range of Soviet parachute mine exercise. Oh my god! (laughs) Yeah, and the theory is that the hikers woke up to explosion sounds and fled. Oh, and there are actually records of parachute mines being tested in the area, and Mm. but the thing with this theory is the fact that these mines right they detonate in the air so it they don't detonate on the ground Mm. so it doesn't explain their injuries but it caught yeah and some believe that it's basically the military covering up for this whole thing because um apparently there was yeah because they were like apparently markings on their bodies after death and burns to their hair and skin and Apparently, so if you look up pictures of the tent, right? Apparently, the tent was erected wrongly, and um, this was coming from like I think Yuri saw it. Like he went back, he went, he went to help the um rescuers, mm. but basically the way the tent looked obviously didn't look like something like an experienced hiker would have yeah. erected a tent looking. So basically, Terry believes that the military had tried to stage the scene. Mm. And also, there's a theory of like radio radiological weapons being used. So, you know, obviously, one of the bodies, um, the clothes had radiation on it, and uh. some of the bodies were described as orange with gray hair. But the thing is, this could also be caused by mummification because yeah. they were in snow. Yeah. yeah. Now we get to the paranormal aspect of this. All right, you ready? Theory four: a Yeti.
2: Oh my god. That's not even paranormal. God damn it. Oh. I
1: guess it's
0: paranormal.
2: <laughs> it's just abnormal. I
1: thought it was going to be alien. again.
0: Oh. That's Freaking theory five. Oh, oh my wow. god. <laughs>
2: okay, it's not theory four. Chris's stories are really not in the horror realm. Oh my god.
0: Paranormal. We're a paranormal podcast. As well. Time to okay, make... I'm so, going to make
1: my story, like, super scary. Thanks, Chris. Yeah,
0: save. I'm also going to make my next week freaking
2: scary until Chris cannot sleep, yeah. Oh,
0: okay, okay, <laughs> anyway. I'm going to
2: talk about rabbits, like, possessed rabbits or something. Please
0: don't. <laughs> Today is... Oh, she, she'll start happy, crying. Happy International Rabbit Day. Today is Rabbit Day. Yes. Anyway. So no, wait. The-
2: before this goes on, I'm just going to put a reminder in our group chat. Possessed... Rabbit.
0: Stop. Sorry.
2: Okay. Okay. You
0: done? you done? Yes, bully. Yes, bully. Can I get on with the Yeti theory? The the Yeti the yeti theory. Oh. Okay, my that God. didn't work. Out, like, no. God. Okay, so people believe that a Yeti attacked the group. So bear with me. This is a very small theory, okay? So <laughs> I came across very this small. like little documentary thing on discovery channels youtube channel called hunting the killer russian yeti oh. and it is seven minutes of absolute bullshit okay i'm telling you um everything is probably staged here but i'm just gonna run you through what this said because was pretty interesting so apparently there's a russian yeti institute that has a report of over five thousand yeti sightings in 1925, a Russian military expedition claimed to have been attacked by a yeti. In 1945, another group of soldiers encountered like another yeti, and then in 1953, a group of hunters chased a yeti. Um, apparently, the pattern in this is the fact that um, yetis only attack when they feel provoked. So um, people so so this theory believes that. These um, these ten—I mean, these nine hikers somehow fell within Yeti zone, so a Yeti <laughs> attacked and killed them. Mm. Yeah, but there's no evidence of a Yeti being there. There's also like no Yeti footprints in the snow. It's just nine footprints, and I don't think like a Yeti is like smart enough. Yeah, I get what you mean. To, like maybe stage the scene afterwards or whatever, mm. or like cover up It's footsteps i can't believe i just gave a yeti male pronouns <laughs> okay so theory 5 theory 5 is aliens oh god so um apparently there, there were like reports of like orange orbs yeah i think it was acorn and his uh, human lover coming back anyway so so there's like um there were reports of like orange orbs being seen in the sky during, like, February-March of, like, 1959. Um, But also, this could have been, like, the parachute missiles. And also with the alien theory, it could sort of explain the radioactivity on, like, one of the clothes. Mm. And, um, okay, also, one of the hikers, he, like, managed to grab his camera while running, and, like, he took a photo, and, like, the thing is, like, this photo is, like, super blurry and stuff. But people believe that in the photo, like, there's this, like, orb thingy. And um, people speculate that he basically captured, like, an image of a UFO. Even though it's super, super blurry. Mm. Yeah. And maybe I should... Never mind. Later, I will show you all the picture. Um. Yeah, so that's the alien theory. Okay. Theory six is black magic. Okay. Okay, but... Okay, so... This black magic thing is um, it's not as unbelievable as the yeti <laughs> or the aliens. So allegedly, the people of the Mansi tribe, so the Mansi people were like natives to the mountain, I guess. Um, they got really upset that there were people traversing on sacred land, so they sent shamans to enter their tent and cast a spell on them. Mm. Yeah, and um, also this was also said by um someone from the Mansi tribe the, uh, by a Mansi native during like an interview. But the thing is like, even though he said that, oh, you know, when she sent shamans to kill kill them, Um, nothing really came out of it. Like the investigation never like really included. And the thing is like the Mansi tribe were actually cleared of any involvement in the case like pretty early on because there wasn't any evidence to prove that they had been there in the first place, and remember, mm. like the footprints only belonged to nine people. Mm. So, yeah, and there were also like no defensive wounds or anything on them to suggest like a fight took place. So in in the instance that they might have encountered the Manti people and like a fight broke out, mm. there wasn't anything to indicate that happened either. And also, if a shaman entered the tent, his footsteps would also be there, but yeah. there wasn't any. Yeah. And mm. also, obviously, right, like, blame the indigenous people, obviously. Alright, yeah, so, that's the story of Ditlof Pass. Do yes. you have any theories? It's super, super weird.
2: My sixth theory is a bunny
0: ate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, maybe this was, like, a lot of information. So, like, so, to, so basically, to summarise what actually happened on the mountain was that, um... The tent was found abandoned. The tent um, revealed that whatever happened, they the the nine of them actually tore from inside of the tent out. Um, there were footprints found, but the footprints indicated that they had like walked, so they weren't running away from anything. Mm. Um, the first two bodies found were um, they they had no shoes, no clothes except for their underwear. The next set of bodies found. Um, why put them? Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> the next set of bodies found. Uh, had one of them had skull fractures. The other two had like chest fractures, and it showed that after one of them had passed away, like the others took the clothes to wear to keep themselves warm from hypothermia. Mm-hmm. And then the last set, which was found about two months later, they were the ones with like the missing eyeballs and the lip mm-hmm. and stuff like that. still so what happened. And until today no one really knows what happened on this mountain um people theorize you know even <laughs> with the yeti's and aliens but there's nothing concrete that has come of it until today so it's mm. still it's still up to speculation there's a lot of weird elements to this case i mean i am prompted to believe that there could have possibly been something that is beyond human explanation that happened here that's just laughing. Honda, do you not believe that it could have been something beyond the human sphere?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, the eyeballs part. It could be animals, because usually, fleshier parts get eaten first. Flesh. Yeah, but like, but yeah.
0: what can explain the? Like, I don't the know. Collective
1: paranoia.
0: Yeah, but then paranoia. Doesn't I mean, there's cases of very- collective
1: there's collect. There's cases of collective paranoia where you know, like groups of people see the same thing, kind of, and experience the same What's thing. Called? What's mass like
0: hysteria? hysteria. Yeah, mass hysteria. And that's yeah. also very scary in itself,
1: like mass hysteria.
0: Yeah. Uh, um. I, I think there's one was that happened in is-
1: Malaysia or something or Indonesia.
0: I know there's one in like France where like a bunch of people danced to death. Ah okay, I heard of that one. Yeah. Shen, do you have any theories? Other than the rabbit one, because that doesn't count. as I a feel like the avalanche one is the most. But there weren't any... There wasn't evidence of an avalanche. That's the thing. Mm. Nothing indicates an avalanche happened there. Mm. Yeah, it's a pretty weird case. Yeah, it's a pretty I, think thing, yeah. I think something paranormal might have happened. Like, I won't discount it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's the story of Love Pass. <laughs> you pronounced it right. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and click that follow button on Spotify.
1: You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and whatever podcast platform you listen to.
0: And you can follow us on
2: Instagram at H-A-U Podcast. Shoot us a message or send us stories if you like. You can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.
0: Stay safe and take care. Adios. Bye.